Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me now on the new Fox Sports app. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. So, we're roughly two weeks and a half dozen games into the new season, and while it's way too early to talk about who looks as if they might not live up to expectations, it's worth taking a look at a couple of teams that have come out of the gate blazing. No, I'm not talking about the Charlotte Hornets, at least not yet, or the Washington Wizards, at least not yet. And I've already discussed the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks. The teams that I want to discuss that have come out of the gate blazing and whether or not they can stay in the rare air that they currently occupy are the Miami Heat in the East and the Golden State Warriors in the West. I haven't seen enough to elevate either of them to team-to-beat status in their respective conferences, as I've seen Jalen Rose do with the Miami Heat and a few others have done with the Golden State Warriors. But taking a close look at how they've done what they've done and against who offers some indicators on their strong play sustainability. Now, I might not be doing this episode or framing it in quite this way, if not for the GMs I spoke to last week, about a half dozen of them, and how many unsolicited suggested that the Warriors might just be the best team in the league, with one caveat, and that's depending on what Clay Thompson is upon his return. Now, I know for a fact that none of them did a deep dive, as I'm about to do, on the Warriors, but that said... It caught me off guard, to be perfectly frank. Living in the Bay Area, I've watched and or attended a healthy number of Warriors games over the years. And for those who may not know, I started out my career as a beat writer covering the Warriors. I then returned many years later and worked as a sideline reporter for their telecasts for two years during the Mark Jackson era. I saw the building blocks and lessons learned 
put together to form the dynastic run that followed in what was a transition period for me. I worked sideline along with doing a local radio show and then switching to national radio for Sirius XM for a number of years so I could be a little less nomadic and be a dad to my two kids through their formative years. I feel incredibly fortunate, by the way, that I was able to do that, even though it required jumping off the ESPN ship where I had been for 14 years. Being able to return to a national platform in every medium now for Fox has been a blessing as well. I am truly, truly pumped to get back to covering the league at large on a week-to-week basis, along with sharing my thoughts on the NFL and whatever else rises to peak national interest as a regular fill-in host on Speak for Yourself. As I say in my opener, I'm a lot of places, doing a lot of things, and I wouldn't have it any other way now that my daughter is away at college and my son is a high school senior playing two sports, which is translation, he doesn't have as much time for dad as he once did, but it's all good. Hope you don't mind the indulgence of telling you where I am in my life at the moment. Anyway, I came into the season questioning and largely downgrading the Warriors' chances of competing for a title this year. That's because I saw Draymond Green at his absolute best, and he's no longer that. He can still contribute in unique ways, but teams across the league have adjusted to the challenge he presented by finding power forwards who can match up with him. That was a huge piece of what made the Warriors so dominant in their stretch of five finals. Along with the truly fortunate turn of the league salary cap making a monstrous jump from the then-new TV contracts, allowing the Warriors to sign Kevin Durant outright as a free agent. That, without question, extended their run of dominance that I don't believe they would have sustained without him. I know Warriors fans like to think different. So where are they now? Well, they're better than I thought, that's for sure. I don't want to make too much of their 5-1 start because two of those wins came against the Oklahoma City Thunder and another against the Sacramento Kings, who still the jury is out on. Better than they've been, can they sustain it? Subject for another day. But the Warriors have added some pieces that have proved to be better than I thought they would. Where I and Warriors fans might disagree is who those pieces are, or at least who the Warriors fans expected them to be. Coming into the season, I heard all about how Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and maybe even James Wiseman taking a step up were going to give them a depth they sorely lacked last season. I knew that wasn't going to happen, not if title contention was the goal. The season is still young, but as of now, Kaminga has made one appearance for a grand total of six minutes. Moody has played in four games for a total of 31 minutes and contributing eight points. Both of them are a year away at least from doing anything meaningful. But the new additions that I did not think too much of or didn't take accurate account of that are making a difference are Andre Iguodala and Nemanja Bialica. Iguodala returning to the Warriors after two seasons with the Miami Heat struck me as little more than a sentimental homecoming. With him closing in on his 38th birthday 
and looking pretty much washed last season with the heat. I couldn't see him doing anything significant to change the fortunes of the Warriors, largely because of how far he had fallen defensively. His 110 defensive rating with the Heat last year was the worst of his career, and that was on a top seven defense. Well, I don't know what changed for him during the offseason, and I hope to ask him that the next time I see him but he looks like a completely different player at that end of the floor. The offensive numbers are no better than they were in Miami, but his defensive rating so far this season is a 98, far and away the best of his career if it holds up. And he has long been an outstanding defensive player. His rebounding has also improved significantly from the last couple years. As I said, He's about to turn 38, so there's no way to know if he can sustain what he's doing, but it's already more than I thought he was capable of. Bielitsa, I thought, was a decent pickup, but I wasn't sure if he'd even crack the rotation. He was also in Miami last year and was as bad as Iguodala defensively, and yet his 110 matched the best of his career defensive ratings for a season. At 33, I didn't expect that to change in joining the Warriors either. And yet, he has made the same leap, sporting a 98 to match Iguodala's. What those those two have that has defied their age and made them fit so seamlessly with the Warriors so quickly, aside from Iguodala's familiarity with Steph and Dre and Steve Kerr's system, is their basketball IQ. The Warriors run a system that depends on players being able to read situations as one unit and act accordingly. Bielitsa doesn't have the assist numbers that Draymond has, but he has the capability of operating at center in a way that the Warriors haven't had since Andrew Bogut played for them. He is the ideal counterpoint, or at least has proved to be, to Kevon Looney's unheralded defense and rebounding, and he takes some of the pressure off Draymond as a playmaking big. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I always knew Bielita had a feel for the game, even back in his Sacramento days. But I've never appreciated it to the level I do now. So much of what the Warriors do depends on players simply being in the right place at the right time and seeing what Steph and Draymond see on any given play at both ends of the floor. Both he and Andre are contributing in that department in ways that isn't accounted for in their individual stat lines in the box score. They have both been super efficient, which has been vital because of the element that is rearing its head that no Warriors fan wants to concede. And that's the bordering on reckless play of Steph, Draymond, and Jordan Poole. The three of them combined are averaging 10 turnovers a night, Steph leading the way with four every game. 
It would be understandable if they were also producing a glut of assists, but that isn't the case. The three are combining for 14 dimes, dimes a game. You can do the uh, collective assist turnover ratio yourself. The Warriors now are leading the league in assists and are top 10 in fewest turnovers, but that's because everyone else is being super efficient. I would chalk that up to the attention the Stars receive, but again, this is where actually watching the games comes in handy. Many of the turnovers by Steph, Draymond, and Poole are the product of mere carelessness or simply bad decisions. Draymond had a turnover in the waning minutes of their loss to the Grizzlies by simply not getting the ball over half court in time, and there was not a defender within 15 feet of him. I'd be more confident about them cleaning that up if it weren't a carryover from last season when they averaged the exact same number of turnovers for the entire year. Career highs for both Draymond and Steph in that category. If I'm going to ding the Lakers stars, as I have, most notably LeBron and Russell Westbrook, for undermining their team's chances by not taking care of the ball, I have to do the same for the Warriors. It's an Achilles heel that bears watching. There's one other area with the Warriors that bears watching, and that's Steph's shooting accuracy. I know it sounds crazy. Greatest shooter, history of the game. But he is shooting a career low 42% overall so far, not counting his abbreviated five-game season two years ago. I wouldn't even mention it if it weren't for the fact that, for whatever reason, he is struggling to get the same airspace, both inside and outside the three-point arc. I haven't seen a stat on the average distance of his threes, and I don't know if there is one for average time to get off a shot, but it looks as if he's having to shoot from deep more consistently on his threes to get them off, and he's having to quick shoot it seemingly from everywhere more than he ever has. It would appear that defenders are having an easier time staying on his hip. Now, I wouldn't bet against him going on some sort of insane streak that repairs those numbers, but considering he had a long offseason and he's not dealing with any known nagging injuries, it is another thing to keep an eye on. The Miami Heat are a different story. So far, they are the most efficient defensive team in the league and are fourth in offensive efficiency. And a lot of the credit belongs to Kyle Lowry, having the impact the Heat hoped he would have when they acquired him during the offseason. As their primary ball handler, his turnover to assist ratio is darn near 3-1. to one far better than Draymond's or Steph's, which is what you look for from your primary playmaker or point guard. Now, the Heat, too, have played two struggling opponents in the Orlando Magic and Indiana Pacers, but their wins have been decisive ones over the Bucks, Nets, Hornets, and Grizzlies. More important, they are offensively and defensively miles ahead of the other Eastern Conference contenders right now, Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Based on strength of schedule and margin of victory, no one has won by bigger margins over tougher opponents than the Heat so far. But the same question has to be asked. Is it sustainable? Looking at their roster, you have to believe that it is. More so, actually, than the Warriors. 
They have the ideal balance in almost every category. And again, they're also getting contributions from some unexpected places. Tyler Harrow, who was coming off a miserable playoff series against the Bucks, is playing out of his mind. Dwayne Dedman is doing his best imitation of Dwight Howard two years ago for the Lakers as a super efficient sub, averaging seven rebounds and six points a game in 15 minutes. Overall, the Heat have four players averaging six or more rebounds a game, led by Bam Adebayo with 14. They have three players averaging four and a half assists or more, led by Kyle Lowry. Their top three scorers all shoot 85% or better from the free throw line. They have three players shooting threes 37% or better, and that's not including Lowry or Duncan Robinson, both of whom are career 37% or better three-point shooters. So it's a fair assumption to think they'll join the party at some point. And put together what they're doing both individually and collectively, the Heat seem very much for real. And if the question is, who appears to be better equipped to maintain their current pace between the Warriors and Heat, I would have to go with that team down in Miami. There are no indications that any of their main stars are in decline. And as of right now, the same can't be said for the Warriors. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'm thinking about looking at the change in the way the game is being officiated and talk of it having a huge effect on James Harden. Now, he came off of that somewhat in the last game, got to the free throw line, was far more efficient than he's been. We need to take a hard look at whether it's really the officiating that's making a difference or there's something else that's going on. That will be discussed in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.